Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Accelerating Texas K-12 Education. I am your host, J.W. Marshall with Summit K-12, and we are so excited that you found us on this episode. Our guest today is Tiffany Quayer-Natum, and she is the Executive Director at Teach for America Houston. Tiffany, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, J.W. Absolutely. And we have a lot of uh, content we want to dive into. But before we do, we always love to start each episode with the same two questions. Who are you? And not what do you do? But who are you? And what do you love about what you do? Who am I? Um, I would say I am a proud Latina, a mom, um, and a lifelong educator. And the thing that I love about what I do, um, oh, and my name is Tiffany Grab-Needham and I'm the Executive Director at Teach for America. Um, And I would say the thing that I love about what I do is working with young people. Um, And I consider young people, everyone from the students that we, you know, um, serve and partner with in K through 12 schools, but also the young people who join us right out of college. Um, You know, every year they come out of college and they're still 22, 23, 24 years old, and I'm a year older. um, And I feel like they just bring such like great energy to the work that we're trying to accomplish, new ideas that I would have never thought of. um, And, you know, just kind of innovation and imagination that is going to be necessary if we want to reach every kid in this country and certainly every kid in Houston. Absolutely. And Speaking of Houston, um, for anyone in our audience that isn't familiar, and I'm sure everyone's familiar with the name Teach for America, um, but what is Teach for America and how has it really impacted Houston and beyond over the past 30 years? Yeah. So at Teach for America, we are a network of leaders across the country, about 60,000 strong at this point, um, who are bound by the belief that every child in this country deserves access to an excellent education. Um, And we believe that the way we can go about doing that, or one way we can go about doing that, is by enlisting our nation's most young and promising leaders um, to commit their lives to educational equity. Um, That starts with an initial two-year commitment in an under-resourced school and classroom, um, in this case, in particular here in Houston. Um, And for most of us, um, and when I say most of us, I mean more than 70% of us, turns into a lifelong commitment to education, whether that's staying in the classroom as a teacher, becoming a principal, actually running an entire school district. We have several superintendents um, who are Teach for America alumni who live and work here in Houston, um, or to you know working at Teach for America or another education um, nonprofit in the city that is helping to serve students in the K through 12 public school system. Um, and we believe that if we can get enough people um, coming right out of college and, and then enough people talking about and caring about education across this country, we can ensure that every kid does get the, you know, the very excellent education that we want for every child in this country. Um, And so, yeah, that's what we do. Um, And I came to Teach for America in the very same way that most of our young people do. Um, I went to the University of Texas in Austin. Um, I studied finance. Um, I didn't really know what an investment maker did, but I knew they made a lot of money and that was really important to me um, coming from a low income background myself um, and, uh, you know, stumbled upon Teach for America and decided, you know, that I'd been very fortunate um, to have a mom who really cared a lot about education and really pushed me very, very hard. And so I decided that I could do this for two years before I went back to law school or to get my MBA. And um, two years turned into three years, and three years has turned into nearly 20 in in education. 
That's amazing. And as my audience knows, my mother was a teacher for over 40 years, uh, but I was a business major. And she said, go do business for a year. And if you know it doesn't work out, come back to teaching. And I landed in ed tech and really got to kind of do the best of both worlds. But I love uh, working with teachers, love working with schools. And, um, and I just really am so impressed with the work that Teach for America does. You mentioned um, all children deserve access to equality education. And you also mentioned um, an equitable education. And I would love for you to talk a little bit to our audience about what does that mean to Teach for America and how are you bringing equity um, along with that quality education? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, when we think about quality, right, we want every kid to, you know, graduate from high school, ready to learn, to live, to thrive in the world that we live in, right? And for some kids, that's going to mean going to a four-year college. For other kids, it might go to a trade school um, or getting some kind of other certificate. Um, but we want kids to be ready for that. And we want kids to have choices, meaning um, they're not bound to a certain path just because that is the only thing their education prepared them for. Um, so when we say quality, we really mean we want, you know, kids to be ready for whatever comes next for them when they graduate from high school. Um, and then when we say equity, um, we mean that we want that for every kid, um, right? Not just certain kids. Um, we want every kid to have that. And we also know that kids who come from under-resourced schools and often under-resourced homes will need additional resources in order to achieve those goals. Um, and so it's going to be important that we seek out where those resources are needed and that we then put those additional resources in, into the schools that need them most so that every kid um, is able to, to meet that you know, goal of graduating from high school ready to take on the world. Awesome. And it's also so fun to have this conversation because you're impacting students every day, but you're also impacting these new teachers and their career paths. Um, so talk to us even a little bit more about um, Teach for America, because I know it's a unique pipeline for uh, diversity and diverse leaders uh, entering the Teach for America program and the, the education system. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and how does that have an impact on the students that they're serving? Yeah, I mean, I can talk a little bit about my own experience. Um, you know, so I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I grew up in a small town in South Texas called Alice. Um, it's a predominantly Mexican-American community. I also identify as um, Tejano, if you will. Um, and, um, and, you know, we didn't have a ton of money in our house growing up. Um, but my dad had played baseball at the University of Texas. So it was always a dream of my mother's that I would go to the University of Texas, that I would study business, um, you know, and that I would kind of do better, if you will, than my parents were able to do. Um, and so, you know, they worked very hard to put me on that path, um, despite, you know, some of the lack of resources that we had both in our home and also in the school system in Alice. Alice is not a very resourced community. Um, so there wasn't a lot there for us. Um, but despite all of those challenges, I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Like I said, I studied finance um, and then heard about Teach for America. Um, and I was placed in Houston to teach um, for my two-year commitment. And I was really fortunate to be placed in a predominantly Mexican-American community on the north side of Houston. Um, and there was a lot of similarities between the students that I taught and my own, you know, my own upbringing, my own family. Um, every time I looked at my kids, I thought about, you know, cousins and such that I had back home in Alice um, because we had a lot of similar cultural backgrounds. And to be fair, we were also very different because I was not from Houston. I was from South Texas because I had gone to college um, because at that point in my life, I was actually more resourced from a financial perspective. Um, but there were also a lot of similarities um, and it 
was a really, it was really great for me personally um, to be able to have this connection um, with a group of students and families um, that, you know, mirrored so much of my own upbringing. Um, and I hope that it was, you know, really good for them to be able to see a teacher who, you know, had been a student just like them in a classroom in an under-resourced school, um, sometimes coming from a home where, you know, money was not plentiful, um, but that I was able to, you know, do well in college and then come back and be able to, to choose this job, right? Not to have to be a teacher, um, but to choose to teach because I so very much believed in the potential of our kids um, and in the potential of the education system to, you know, put them on a different trajectory, trajectory in life. Um, and so, you know, I when in 2003, dating myself now, when I joined the Corps, um, I will admit that it was not very diverse. Um, you know, we very much, um, I would say, were more similar to the population of college students um, at that period of time. But over the last 20 years, um, you know, we've become very, very diverse, both nationally, but especially locally here in Houston. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, last year, our incoming core was about 70% people of color. Um, and about 50% um, folks who either were the first in their family to graduate from college or identified as coming from a low-income background. Um, and it's really important for kids to, you know, have, and what we saw, sometimes we say mirrors and windows, right? So it's important for them to be able to see the world through other people's eyes that may be different than them, but it's also really important for them to see themselves and the people that teach them. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we're really proud of the work that we've done to um, diversify the teaching force. We are, you know, one of the most diverse um, providers of teachers in the country. Um, and we think that's really important because we think kids deserve to have people who look like them standing in front of their classrooms. And I love that you brought mirrors and windows. We actually had a, an earlier episode of this show with um, Ronnie Buren, who's the president of the TCTELA, and um, just the importance in literacy for mirrors and windows, right? For students to see themselves in the stories, but mm -hmm. also to get uh, you know windows into others of all uh, backgrounds. And so um, it's so great. I believe she's in the Houston area as well. So. Um, yeah, lots of connections. And I, I think the other thing I will say too, um, because I, I really was like, oh, I would I would say this probably differently. It's not that we just want to be diverse or it feels good to be diverse or um, that we like the fact that we're diverse, but research shows that kids do better when they have a diversity of teachers, including teachers who look like them and share their cultural background. Um, and so it's not just a nice to have, but it's actually you know a research-based strategy um, to ensure that kids do well in school and ultimately, again, graduate from high school ready to take on whatever's next for them. Absolutely. I was just going to bring that up. The studies do show that students learn better uh, from teachers who share their identities and experiences, but also being exposed to teachers mm -hmm. that don't. And uh, you, you can't have one or the other, right? Because mm -hmm. we are a diverse uh, country, a diverse state, and of course, a diverse uh, you know area in Houston. Um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about um, what are some of the trends uh, that you're seeing um, and, and what are you doing in, in your area specifically to accelerate Texas K-12 education this year? Yeah. Okay. Gosh, so many things. That's so, a big question. Yeah, it's a big question. So, I mean, first and foremost, our bread and butter, which is, you know, bringing new teachers um, and not just new teachers, but new teachers who um, have a, a nuanced understanding of the challenges that our students face and are really ready to do whatever it takes, go above and beyond to ensure kids get on the trajectory that is you know, gonna put them on a path to success. Um, and, and so bringing those folks in, 
um, training them. They are actually in their last week of training as I sit here um, in the first week of July. They're in their last week of training with us before they shift over to their school and district-based training. Um, and getting those folks, you know, into classrooms on the first day of school, ready to teach children, um, you know, that is the most important thing that I believe that we can be doing, and particularly given the massive teacher shortages that are facing our country, but in particular our area here in Houston this year. And so um, that's the first thing. The second is then the training and support we'll provide to, to those teachers ongoing. Um, you know, teaching is an art and a science um, and teachers need good, rigorous feedback um, in order to improve their practice. Um, and so we provide one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as professional development to ensure that, you know, teachers can actually, um, you know, practice and learn and then put their work and put that work into practice again and, and et cetera, et cetera, so that, you know, they can develop into the, the exceptional teachers that they want to be. Um, and then the last thing um, kind of core to our program before I talk about some of the more interesting or um, unique things that we're doing um, is our support of our alumni, you know, so educational equity teachers, I mean, they're so important to that. And we're not going to solve it one classroom at a time. Um, it really is a systemic issue that we have to tackle at the level of the system. And that's the you know, place where our alumni have a unique role to play, having taught um, many of them, having stayed in the classroom or become principals, et cetera. Um, you know, they have a unique role in helping set up a school system, for example, or a school such that every teacher can be successful and every student can be successful. Um, and so our support of them through leadership fellowships, through access to, you know, um, best-in-class professional development, et cetera, um, is really important to our program um, because it is, you know, it is a lifetime commitment. It, is, it was, we like to say hashtag, it was never just two years. Um, and so all three of those components, the recruitment and training, the support of our teachers in their first couple of years, and then the support of our alumni, all of that really matters to ensuring that every kid um, on August 15th um, can walk into a classroom ready and um, with a teacher and leader that's really eager to serve them. And then kind of in this unique moment in time, as we are continuing to come out of COVID, um, we're doing a couple of things that I think are, you know, really having a big impact um, on kids. So the first is um, our Ignite Fellowship, which is a tutoring core. So um, as the pandemic hit, you know, we were asking our principals, what do you need? How can Teach for America show up for you in this moment? Um, and the thing we kept hearing was like, we need more capacity. We need more adults who can help us um, intervene with children and, um, and their academics. And, you know, we didn't at that point, you know, our kind of recruitment and admissions had closed. We didn't have more teachers to give them. Um, but, you know, we kind of huddled around and came up with this idea of tutors and how helpful tutors could be in this moment, even if they were virtual. Um, and so in a matter of about six weeks, we stood up a virtual um, tutoring core. Basically, we, you know, looked at our, our the college students we had access to from across the entire country and recruited a whole bunch of them to say, why don't you sign up to be a virtual tutor for kids? And we piloted that in Phoenix um, in the spring, I believe, of 2021. So, you know, kind of, or in the fall of 2020, I'm sorry. We piloted in Phoenix in the fall of 2020, um, you know, kind of right at the height of the pandemic. And, and then by the fall of 2021, we opened up a, an Ignite Fellowship here in Houston, Texas. Um, and so this past year, we worked with about 10 schools and we had a little over 200 tutors who tutored in those 10 schools. 
um, and they worked with kids um, from first grade all the way through eighth grade. Um, and I actually just got some results from a middle school that we worked with um, this past spring. Um, two days ago in my inbox. And, and we worked with all of the eighth graders who needed math intervention in the building. Um, and we saw that the eighth graders from the middle of year assessment to the end of the year assessment had the most growth of any group of kids in the school. Um, and so it just goes to show, you know, when kids have this kind of rigorous one-on-three small group virtual consistent tutoring, um, it can be really helpful um, to their work. And it's also interesting. It's not just academic tutoring. It's also, um, we do some social emotional learning as well in this program. And so kids also reported liking school better, feeling like there were more adults that cared about them, feeling like their tutors taught them in the way they wanted to be taught, etc. Um, and so it's both a, you know, helping kids expand academic outcomes, but also helping them just like to learn and be in school more. Um, and so that's really, I think, a very um, unique thing that we're doing in this moment in time to help meet needs and um, that will continue into the next school year um, that I think is you know, it not, I think is actually really helping um, kids um, improve. Yeah, improve. Um, and, and the reason I say two things that we're doing is because this has the one thing we're doing is, you know, the most important thing we're doing is meeting the moment is saying, what do kids need and how can we help them? And then the other thing that's doing is actually introducing Teach for America to another group of college students who may not have thought that teaching was a thing that they were going to do um, and who now um, might think that this is a path that they want to take. And so last year, I think we found that 60% of eligible tutors, because you know tutors can be as young as freshmen in college, and 60% of our eligible tutors decided to apply to the core. Um, and then about 90% of them actually got into the core. And so um, we're finding that it is not only a great way to meet the moment, but it's also a great recruiting tool for new teachers into the education system, which is really exciting. Um, and the other unique thing we're doing is um, in the world of school reinvention. So um, I believe very deeply that if we want to meet the, never, the needs of every kid in this country, we have to rethink how we do school um, and not just how we do classroom or how we do teaching, but literally what does a school look like, feel like, and how does it serve children? And I don't think that the ideas for that are gonna actually come from adults. Um, I think those ideas are actually gonna come from kids um, and what kids tell us about how they wanna learn, who they wanna learn from. Um, and, um, and so we have a small group on our team um, who is doing things called Dream Labs where they basically work with small groups of students. We have one happening today, actually, this morning in a school um, in, in Houston, um, where we talk to kids about their ideal school environment. Um, and we ask them lots of provocative questions and play games with them to help them really, to get from them to really understand what kind of school do they want to be in? How could they learn best? Um, and we think that when we gather this information, we're going to be able to help then feedback to school leaders and teachers and district leaders. Um, you know, what could we be doing to actually rethink how we do school? Um, and hopefully we'll have some, some brave souls who will think, you know, this is the kind of thing that I want to take on. I don't want to, you know, just open another school that looks similar to another school. I want to actually open a school that rethinks the way we educate kids. I love that. And I have to ask, is there any initial uh, ideas or feedback from the kids uh, that you can share? Like, can you give us a, a teaser? Um, um, and 
Yeah, I mean, there. I, I, I shouldn't say these are definitive because we've all, we're actually only on Dream Lab number two. So this is definitely an ongoing thing. Um, but I will say that reading the notes from the first Dream Lab, since the second one is literally happening as we speak, um, some of the highlights were kids wanting to learn from each other. Um, so this idea of like, how do we make learning something that kids do together versus just a teacher pouring knowledge into kids? Um, so that was really interesting. Um, um, and then there was there was a lot about technology, um, right? You know, our kids, you know, I have children of my own who have had iPads since they were two years old and they are well more versed in technology than I am. Um, and so kids, you know, they gravitate toward that and they want to use that to further their learning. And so um, us adults who might not be as good in technology really need to step it up um, if we want to be able to keep up with our, our own children um, and the children that we educate um, in that in that vein. Well, and, and I think we're of similar age. It, it does seem like our generation has a little bit of a negative view of technology sometimes in that, oh, a kid is just going to be isolated and staring at a computer screen by themselves. And today, technology to students really means connectivity mm-hmm. to people sitting next to them and people around the world. And it is a, a very different um a way that they're being brought up with technology and hopefully uh, an even better way than than we were kind of the, the guinea pigs of technology as it was coming up um, kind of at the same time. So that's exciting to to hear that they want to do more group and connected work and project-based learning probably and learn from peers, but then also probably incorporate that technology um, as we're kind of thinking about accelerating Texas K-12 education, um, talk to us about your kind of views on technology and how it can enhance the student learning experience and enhance the teaching experience. Um, is I know technology is not the silver bullet that's going to save us, but uh, what is its role maybe moving from a, a supplement to more of a core piece mm-hmm. of education because we're now more connected than ever? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is not a silver bullet, and that is because there is no silver bullet. Um, I, I feel like that's right. the most important thing to note in education. There is no silver bullet. Um, um, and so, I mean, I think when it comes to technology, I mean, I I, I don't think I know all the answers for how technology is going to play a role in the future. I think the most important thing is that we actually embrace it, to your point. Um, you know, people of our generation and, and, and more mature than us um, can often have a negative view of technology and want to say it is, um, you know, kids should have a paper book in their hand or, you know, whatever it is, the, the mantras that you hear. Um, and I think it's so important that we just say, you know, just because it's always been done one way does not mean it has to be done that way in the future. And so we need to embrace all the ways technology can help us. Now, you know, again, I have children of my own. Do I want them sitting in front of a computer for 10 hours a day, every day, and that be the only way they learn? 100% no. Um, Virtual schooling was very hard for my kids during COVID. They did not like it at all. Um, And my kids also love to be on their phones and their iPads, right? And so there is a world where we basically need to embrace it for what it is and how it can help us. And, you know, I think there are some interesting ways that are... um, I think pretty logical that people are starting to use it more fluidly, even, you know, in K through 12 public school. So um, we have a charter partner who I know, for example, you know, they only have so many AP teachers, um, for example, for an AP physics class. They only have so many AP physics teachers. And, you know, if that teacher is based in one school, then only the kids in that school have access to that teacher versus actually what they've done and say, okay, you want to take AP physics, we're going to put a, you know, um, a paraprofessional in a classroom across, you know, in every classroom across the district, and then we're going to live stream this AP physics teacher 
to every kid in the district so that not only does every kid in the district have access to AP Physics, but they have access to the best teacher who teaches AP Physics in this district. Um, and then their paraprofessionals are there to kind of support any kind of, you know, uh, in the moment needs, if you will, that students have. Um, and to me, that seems like a very logical way for us to embrace technology and say, how do we get the best quality education possible to the most kids possible? And um, knowing that there's still a human behind that screen, right, who is helping kids learn and grow, et cetera. Um, and so I think, you know, that to me was like a really, I was like, oh, we should be doing more of that. Um, and that's still a little bit around the edges, right? It's not like totally rethinking, but it is a little bit around the edges. Now, I am not a technology expert myself. So again, I don't think I have all the answers, um, but I do think that the thing technology could help us do that we haven't quite mastered yet is personalized learning. Um, kids are human beings and they all learn differently. Um, and, you know, teachers do their best to differentiate for, you know, the 20 kids in their elementary class or the 150 kids they teach in high schools. Um, but I do think that there's a world where technology could help us play a role in really personalizing learning for every kid such that kids can be connected to each other, but also move at their own pace. Um, and, you know, get into ideas or subject matter that they're really interested in while also not falling behind on core areas. Um, and so I think the person who can figure that out is going to be is going to be a hero for all of us. Well, and I can tell you, as I host a lot of these shows, that it is coming. It is here. It has been in the makings for 20 years. And it's really exciting um, yeah. because it can be personalized, not just on one dimension of we took this one pretest and now here's your path. But everyone is at a different speaking level, at a different content level, in different content areas at different levels. And the the technology is coming to where it can really help uh, students um, not be uh, held back or not be left behind based on where their 20 or 30 peers are in that classroom. Um, which is exciting. And I think for the teachers, even more exciting, we've got less paper grading happening now than ever, um, even though certainly there are still times where the teacher needs to read the writing sample or things like that. But now they're getting able to not just have big data, but usable data that they can say, oh, I can spend my time in this small group or this one-on-one -on -one instruction mm -hmm. based on exactly what the student needs when they need it. And it's, it is exciting coming out of this pandemic that we have a lot of silver linings that we can we can really uh, hopefully continue to embrace and rethink, uh, you know, education. Yeah, um, I would also did... say another connection to that is this is not just good for kids. Like, you know, I think the idea of every kid having kind of a personal journey that they're going on that's still connected to other children is wonderful. I also think it could be um um, enticing and exciting for the like new folks coming out of college who maybe are looking at teaching as, um, you know, not the bold choice that they want to make, if you will, right? Um, because it is so structured and inflexible, or it seems to be, et cetera. Um, and that the use of technology and this kind of personalized learning and the ability of a teacher to be more flexible could actually, um, yeah, entice a new generation of folks to actually come into teaching that may not have been as inspired by that in the past. And I have great hope in a few years that potentially there could be a, a resurgence of teachers coming back to the classroom if we can get some of these things right and really allow the teachers to teach and to do what they love doing and not be caught up in a lot of the, the paper grading and the bureaucracy and, and, and that kind of thing um, mm -hmm. that I think technology can help take 
some of those boundaries and uh, challenges away. And uh, and it's and it's an exciting time. I wanted to circle back to your your program um, for the the tutors, the Ignite uh, program. I, I think that's really exciting as well because you're right; that could really expand the potential um, opportunities, almost like a an apprenticeship or a, a way to kind of uh, you know sample teaching from without having to say, okay, this is now my major and this is my you know career path for the rest of my life. Um, give us a, a story of. Uh, uh, success or a story of, uh, you know, hope that uh, some of these teachers that maybe wouldn't have looked at uh, the profession are now um, coming in. And, and maybe this is one small piece to the puzzle of um, refilling that pipeline uh, to help with the teacher shortage. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I shared a little bit about the data just around the number of folks who are eligible to apply to Teach for America and then who um, have come through. And so we don't yet know, uh, we don't yet have like any, you know, I don't think two, two fun stories to share because we just had this last year. And so our first cohort of um, teachers who were Ignite Fellows will just start in the classroom this year. Um, and so we'll be excited to see what they, what they, you know, do and accomplish and how that changes their trajectory. But um, I will say that I think it has been interesting that we, you know, we give um, these Ignite Fellows surveys to, you know, kind of share about the experience, et cetera. Um, and I think oh, it was 100% of, of our um, fellows basically said that they had, one, a better understanding of, of the nuances of the challenges of education as a result of working on um, as a tutor. And then I think 90% of them said it has inspired them to want to engage in public education in some way, whether that's becoming a teacher or, you know, continuing to volunteer, maybe volunteer locally in their public school, et cetera. Um, it has shaped their consciousness about, you know, their role in public education, whether they are a teacher or have kids in education, et cetera, um, given the challenges that they saw kids facing and the ways that they were able to intervene and help them. And so um, those are very, to me, very um, they, they give me a lot of optimism, those two pieces of data about what's possible when we expose young people um, to the K through 12 public system from a teacher or tutor standpoint um, and what they can accomplish with kids, in, even in the course of, you know, 30 hours of tutoring over a course of a semester. Um, our tutors work um, three hours a week for 10 weeks with kids. Um, and so they have about 30 hours of consistent interaction. Um, and I think it, you know, it, it's uh, clear that it can really inspire um, folks to think about their role in education in a very different way, in addition to having an incredible impact on the kids that they serve. I love it. All right. We're wrapping up our time, but there's one more area I wanted to talk about, um, and that's creating a culture that highlights and places importance on mental wellness and mental health um, and the importance of that for students, for teachers, for administrators, for everyone. And I'm hopeful that this is another area that the the pandemic shone a light on the need for this and that this is something that we continue to focus on moving forward. But specifically, how is uh, Teach for America helping um, not just with the social emotional support of uh, students, but also for teachers and, and really just a new emphasis and importance on mental wellness overall? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I talked a little bit earlier about the, the work we're doing with our you know, students through the Ignite Fellowship um, and really how we even train our teachers to think about how they support the whole child in the classroom um, and then access the resources either in their school or in their community to help support kids. Um, um, but um, when it comes to teachers, you know, uh, 
teaching has always been a difficult profession. And as a you know former teacher myself, um, it was really hard. And I was young and I didn't have any other responsibilities outside of, you know, teaching my children. Um, and it was still really hard. Um, and so when you just, you know, when you add on having your own family or a pandemic or anything else that's happening in this world, um, it can be very difficult. Um, and so, you know, we've seen more and more we've seen it to be more and more important that we actually support teachers um, and their own mental health. And so one of the things we're doing at Teach for America um, is we've partnered with BetterHelp um, to provide every teacher in the core and within their two-year commitment, as well as I think our third-year teachers um, with access to free BetterHelp services. Um, So they can access a one-on-one counselor or group counseling pretty much 24 hours a day through this service. Um, And we're really excited to kind of test this and see how it helps um, our teachers kind of move through their their world as teachers. And I will say, I remember last year at this point, um, we looked at the data on the first day of school. And on the first day of school, we'd already had 75% of our teachers access the system. Um, And so we know that it you know, can be helpful. And we know that teachers want it and need access to things like this. And so, you know, we're really excited to, we had the partnership last year and we're really excited to continue the partnership this year um, for our teachers. Um, And then we also just try to do really small things to, you know, take care of them and cheer them up. Um, If you've been a teacher, you know that October is a really hard month. Um, You know, it is like you have a small fall break in there, but outside of that, you're like looking to Thanksgiving and Christmas um, or the winter holidays. And so, um, and so we try to do small things like treating them to a coffee or breakfast or a dinner um, and, you know, checking up on them, making sure that we're leaving them affirmation about the good work that they're doing. Um, And most importantly, helping them get better Um, because the the faster they get better, the more equipped they are to handle not only the day-to-day work, but all the emotional stress that comes with this. And so, um, you know, there there are certainly interventions like better help that we can put in place. Um, There's just like being kind and affirming of them. And then there's also actually the technical support that, again, the the faster they get better at teaching, um, the more equipped they are to kind of handle all the stresses that come with it. Absolutely. And to model that, you know, wellness to their students and and to build those relationships. we are at the end of our time, but I'll give you uh, the last question is, how can our audience find out more information about Teach for America, about Teach for America Houston? Uh, and if they know someone that they think would be great for the program, where should they send them? Yeah, um, you can absolutely visit our website at www.teachforamerica.org backslash Houston. Um, where you can learn about all of the great work that we're doing in Houston, our partner districts, our partner schools. Um, and then also there you can learn, you know, what um, what it looks like to become a Teach for America core member. Um, and, you know, if you know someone that you think would be great for this, they're, you know, a high school student who might be thinking about education, but may not be majoring in education, please um, send them our way. Or a college student who um, maybe is open to the idea of a role in public education and really helping all kids succeed. Um, and if you don't know anybody, but you know you have some extra dollars to give, we are a nonprofit, and so we are always raising funds. And so you can also donate on our website as well, um, because it takes um, it, it takes a little bit of money to make sure that we can recruit these incredible kids from, or sorry, college students from across the country, um, and bring them into the profession of teaching, and then support them in all the ways they need to be supported to be successful with students. So, um, but yeah, you can find out inf- information about all of that there on our website. Perfect. And of course, in the show notes, uh, you can have a link there uh, to check that out as well. 
uh, we recommend you getting involved, you supporting it however you can. This is a phenomenal organization that um, has been around for a long time, but continues to reinvent itself and stay relevant and uh, really hit these challenges head on that are so important in education right now. So Tiffany, thank you uh, for joining us today. And thank you for all the great work that you're doing with Teach for America. Thank you, JW. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining another episode. Uh, we love your comments and your feedback uh, on uh, every episode. Be sure to check out our website and all the places you can see your podcast to check out past episodes. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember to always, always keep learning. Mm-hmm.